It's not just about mastering technology. It's not just about brand or messaging. It's not just about making more money. It's about showing up in a big way so your people can find you. This is about bringing your most wild and authentic self into the hustle and grind. Welcome to Tactical Magic, a business strategies podcast for the warrior goddess entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Tactical Magic. I have the extreme pleasure of interviewing a good friend of mine, Tad Hargrave, today. Tad Hargrave is a hippie who developed a knack for marketing and then learned how to be a hippie again. Despite years in the nonprofit and activist world, he finally had to admit he was a marketing nerd and, in the end, he became a marketing coach for hippies. Maybe it was because he couldn't stand seeing his hippie friends struggle to promote their amazing green and holistic projects. Maybe it was because he couldn't keep a nine-to-five job to save his life. I know how that goes. Whatever the reason, for almost a decade, he has been touring his marketing workshop around Canada, bringing refreshing and unorthodox ideas to conscious entrepreneurs and green businesses that help them grow their organizations and businesses without selling their souls. He has also offered most of his workshops on a modified pay-what-you-can basis, a small deposit to attend, and then people choose the amount they want to pay at the very end. This all feels like a minor miracle as Tad spent his early marketing days learning and applying some very inauthentic, high-pressure, extremely gross, and pushy marketing approaches. This has made him super allergic to this kind of approach because he discovered that they made him feel slimy, even in his personal friendships. He didn't sleep well, and he's very sorry to all the people he spoke with back in the day. After a decade of unlearning and unpacking that whole scene, he now feels ready and able to help other people find ways to market that feel wonderful. Tad currently lives in Alberta, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and in January of 2014, he also launched NichingSpiral.com, a website dedicated to helping conscious entrepreneurs figure out the troubling, difficult, and vital question of what is my niche. And that is something that I'm really excited to get to talk about today. Welcome, Tad. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the niching spiral. I'm doing everything I can not to say niche with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so it came for me because I saw how many people were struggling with niching in the workshops that I did. It became pretty clear early on that if the if the niche wasn't clear, then nothing else worked. It was really hard to figure out how to come up with a compelling offer, because, you know, an offer for who? And how do you figure out the hubs or partners, where to promote it? Because what exactly is being promoted and who are we trying to reach, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was one of these um, things that seemed so central and yet people struggled with it and I struggled helping them. And I, and I saw a lot of my colleagues struggling to help people with their niche. And I realized that one of the big reasons people were struggling was because it was uh, approached in this linear way it was approached in a way that basically said you're at point a where you've got no niche and then you want to be at point b where you've got a niche and there's some magical process in the middle and and so people would, would do that do whatever the process is figure out their niche but you know life is mysterious and niches tend to change you know uh, for two reasons one because uh, you'll change you'll grow and you're just not interested in the same stuff and number two because the marketplace changes and maybe you were the only yoga teacher in town at one point. Now there's 50. And so just the, the if your niche is going to be, you know, I define niche not as just who you're trying to reach or target market, but as your role in the community. 
and so if the nature of the community changes, well, then your role in it changes as well. So the, <clears throat> for some reason, the, the niche would change. But in this linear model of A to B, there would be the sense of failure, like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> now, I, I don't know um, what my niche is, and I have to go back to square one to a blank slate and start all over again. But in my experience, it wasn't that. It was more of a, a spiral, meaning, you know, you start at north and you spiral around. You get back to north, and it could feel like, damn it, I'm back at north. Here I am. It's failure. It's not failure. It's actually um, a deepening. You know, it's a, you're north, but you're one step in. You're one step closer to the to the center. And uh, if you can, you know, this is one of the differences between sort of linear time and spiral time as an understanding is linear time just abandons everything that came before it. It's constantly running from the past, whereas this, this idea of a time that it's more spiral in nature is asking everything that came before it to show up in that new moment. And so that's where the idea of the spiral came from was, was when I would sit with people just to ask them, okay, well, what do you already know? You've got a lot of experience. You've already tried something. So what's already clear? And, and uh, what do you know? What's not clear yet? You know, but you've worked with a lot of people. What did you like about those people? And what did you not like about those people? I've, I've sat with so many people who would come to me saying, I have no idea about my niche, but they did. actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that too, because that, um, experience of spiraling closer and closer to the right thing is definitely what I've experienced in my own business and my own growth in figuring out who exactly do I want to work with. And even when it feels solid, I know that it has the space to continue to evolve and get more specific and get more dialed in and that there isn't really like if, if clarity is the center of that spiral, there isn't a straight path to it. You can't jump from, um, from wondering who you should be working with to knowing and you can't really get there without taking action. That's something I definitely <laughs> preach a lot on my own soapbox that there is no way to cognitively sit and figure out your niche. There's only that um, exploration, research and development phase where you actually try things. And like you said, see who you like working with and see who you don't like working with. So um, I love that. And I think it's really important for people to get that you can't skip to it. You have to really try some things in order to get there. Because it's, there are two places that people will get stuck on their niche. One is get stuck in their head. They never try anything. They're just, they're trying to get it perfect before they actually launch anything into the world. And uh, it just doesn't work in my experience. It's, that's, um, and, you know, and if it, you usually get pretty weird ideas by the end because you've just been in your head for so long and not in the real world, not talking to anybody, not having any conversations. So that by the time it launches, it's so off, you know, because if your niche is the role in the community and you've been having no conversations with the community, then your sense of what the community needs, what they're going to be into is probably skewed. Um, but the other place people can get stuck is they try things and they never reflect on it. You know, they're all in the outside world, and that's the kind of linear thing that can happen with this niching. Is they try and they try and they try, and they've tried a million things, but they've never, nobody's ever asked them, well, what did you learn from all that? Let's bring all of that time to bear now in the present approach, because there, there's so much. So it does need to be this back and forth, this conversation of you try something bold, and then you reflect really deeply, you know, and the bold thing doesn't have to be big, but you try something real specific. You know, that, that's the clearest iteration you can think of. 
And then you're going to get feedback of what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And a lot of that feedback comes from talking to those people and saying, you know, that didn't quite feel aligned for me or that wasn't quite, um, that wasn't quite it. Who, what was right about it? What was wrong about it? What can I change when I go back and try again? And I'm curious, I read, I mean, I read your bio and I've heard a little bit of your own story myself, but I'm curious, was that spiral something you experienced a lot when you were starting marketing for hippies? Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, well, it wasn't even called marketing for hippies for the first period of time. You know, it, it, when I first started, I thought it was going to be working with uh, kind of green, uh, sustainable, independent retail. Mm. There just wasn't very much of it. And one day I looked around a workshop and I saw that half of them there were holistic practitioners. And then I realized that had been true for a few years, but I just hadn't noticed it because I'd been so obsessed with what I thought my niche was. And then mm. I realized over time, I said, oh yeah, it's more service providers. And, you know, so I kind of moved in that way. So of course it's, it's a, you know, and if we look at sort of three elements of our niche being, what is it that we're offering? How do we offer it? And to whom do we offer it? Those three, that's, you know, shifted for me. You know, mm-hmm. what is it that I'm offering? That's shifted. How do I do it? That's shifted. And then who do I do it for? That also shifted. So, it's it's it, it never does you never not only can you not leap from like a to b from like the you know uh periphery and the circumference of the circle to the center clarity you don't ever really fully get there um or maybe better to say there are moments in your life and sometimes they can last for years where the marketplace is not changing that much and you aren't changing that much and it's some relative stability and when that happens just enjoy it yeah it's <laughs> It's so great, but things will change. So it's it's not so much that you ever find your niche in in a solid, fixed, centralized way, but it's it's we get better and better at this process of niching. It's more like uh, akin to surfing, mm-hmm. riding never, the wave while it lasts. Yeah, you're yeah. Never done surfing, <laughs> you know that's never finished. The, the The whole point of it is to be surfing, to be on the waves, you know, riding them. It's not like you ever, I don't know, you ride it and you're like, great, I'm done. I surfed. <laughs> Check it off. And now, you know, that's there under my belt forever. Hopefully not. You know, hopefully it's, it's something you get to enjoy and do and, you know, ongoing. Yeah. And play with. Yeah. Totally. So for those people who are really, well, I just want to back up and say that while you're exploring and you're testing things out, another thing you touched on briefly was paying attention to who's showing up for your help. So whatever you're putting out there and whatever you think you're doing, whatever you think your niche is or your niche, when I talk about it, um, it's also who's showing up for help. Who's, what are they asking for from you and how much are you paying attention to that feedback, that feedback that you're generating? Um, are you paying attention to it and receiving it? Cause like you said, it took a few years before you realized that a lot of your audience is holistic practitioners and does now the marketing need to change a little bit in order to include them so that um, if I'm serving them, more of them will show up. Um, Yeah. yeah. So it's a discussion to sort of stay inside of and pay attention to all the different versions of feedback, whether that's in a consultation, whether that's at your workshop that you're testing out or whether that's, you know, just who's showing up asking you for help in your life. That's, that's valuable stuff to pay attention to. Yeah. So when I proposed having you on the Tactical Magic podcast to talk about the niching spiral, one of the things you said would be fun 
is if we actually workshop some people's um, niches. So I sent a call out to some of my friends and past clients and colleagues and just asked them to um, write up their niches in 140 characters or less. And a few people responded. Do you want to dive into some of those? Do it. Why don't you read it and then I'll respond to it. Okay, so the first one is from Jackie Simpson from Las Vegas. She says her niche is um, many new age business owners are turned off by old greed and deceit methods of marketing. I teach them to connect to their spirit guides for answers based on love and integrity. Okay, so I mean, what's great about this is the, the who is fairly clear, new age business owners. Something uh, I often recommend people doing is whenever we're using an umbrella label like this, like uh, conscious entrepreneurs or new age business owners or people with chronic pain uh, or spiritual people or something, it's good to hone in on exactly what we mean by that. So, you know, in 140 characters, it's it's almost impossible. But Mm -hmm. the thing I would add here is uh, so many new age business owners, such as blank, blank, blank. Mm. Three examples, you know, because it's just, she might in her mind be saying, you know, like a new age bookshops and crystal stores and people who make uh, meditation cushions. And she's not talking about service providers, or she might actually mean entirely service providers. Like, Oh yeah, that's what I meant. It's like healers. So, um, or she might mean all of them, but it, it's, it's good to clarify because for example, if it was all service providers, then I would just say uh, so many new age service providers, Service-based business owners, service-based yeah. That type of thing, something that indicates this is what we're talking about. Or she might just mean healers and different variations. So it might be just be like a lot of healers, you know, new age healers. Are just, so it, we could probably hone that a bit, what she means by businesses. Mm-hmm. By greed and deceit methods of marketing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, so I teach them to connect with their spirit guides for answers based on love and integrity. It's good. And I, it, it's... Um, of course, in some ways it's implied, but it, it has been one. Well, okay, so they connect to their spirit guides. And let's just say they do that on the regular. So what? What does that mean? I mean, great, they get to feel an integrity. But does this also mean they make sales? Or do they just get to be broke and feel integrity about that? And feel vaguely morally superior to everyone because they're so in integrity and, you know, in their heart. So what is it? What's the result that's being offered? If we look at, uh, you know, this question of target market is journey from island a to island b you know the the problem they have to the result of the craving um so it's and, and partly it's, it's also well okay so they're turned off by these methods of marketing that's great but i don't understand why that's a problem sure yeah they're turned off wonderful right me- so the solution should point back to that potential block with marketing more uh, well it, it's in some ways it does because she says they're turned off. And so I help them approach it in a way that they wouldn't be turned off. And so in in a lot of ways it's implied and I'm being a little nitpicky, but um, I imagine that part of this is there. I I don't understand why it's a problem that they're turned off by it. I mean, good for them. They're turned off by those approaches. Me too. Right. So maybe. Yes. The problem is they don't know any other way to market. The problem is now I'm stuck. Now it's like I, I, the stuck emotional point is what we want to get into. Yeah, well, it's and they're broke. Oh, they don't. They're not getting enough clients, and they don't know how to do it. It's not just that they're turned off. It's like I'm turned off by all that, and I don't know a better way. 
And so, yeah, I help them connect with their spirit guides for answers integrity that also bring them clients that work in the real world. I imagine this is what she's getting at. So um, it's um, when I hear the turned off by these read and see methods, what I'm hearing is a psychographic analysis. What I'm hearing is that this is something about their worldview, but that's different than the problem. That's different than the issue. Because um, uh, there's lots of people in the world who are turned off by marketing who don't have businesses. They work in a nonprofit. They work for the man. And they're like, isn't marketing so gross these days? Yeah, me too. Let's try to meet up group and talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. they might be, they might resonate with this, but that's not her people. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, of course she's named as new age business owners, but I just imagine the problem is they're not getting enough clients. The result is they would get more clients. Mm-hmm. Right. So spelling it out a little bit more. Awesome. And I hope, you know, if, Hopefully Jackie will get to listen to this podcast, but for anyone else who's tuning in, there's main points that he's pulling out of this um, that are super valuable to anyone who's trying to talk about what they do in a more effective way. And that is, you know, hit the nail on the head as much as possible in your explicitity when it comes to telling people who you work with. There's a distinction. I mean, most people are looking at or listening to you when you're marketing your business, wondering how it's not for them. So if you hit the nail on the head hard enough of this is exactly who I work with, that they can't deny it's them if it's them, then that's an opening. That's an end for a deeper conversation or um, more curiosity. So hopefully you're pulling that stuff out too. Um, Should we do the next one? Let's do it. All right. So Caroline Leon from the UK says, I support women who want to change the world to build successful and ethical businesses while staying rooted in their integrity. That's pretty good. It's pretty clear. Again, um, successful and ethical businesses, you know, if there was more characters, it'd be good to know what does she mean by that? Because again, we often, you know, I've had people say, I work with designers. Imagining that's clear. And so what kind of, what do we mean by designer? You know, um, or no, it's creative types. That was the one. I work with creative people. And we were on a call and I had a bunch of people. And I said, okay, I want everyone to tell me, what do you imagine? And they say, creative. And it was all over the place. Sculptors, painters, uh, just people who live a bohemian lifestyle, uh, you know, graphic designers, uh, web design. It was all over the place. And she actually meant something very specific by it. There was like a couple of things that she mm-hmm. meant. And it, it wasn't most of it. So um successful and ethical businesses again is is this every kind of business is this um uh, yeah retails service-based uh, naming the particular type is helpful um and this is something that's beyond but just as something i would encourage her to be looking at <laughs> people go to my website uh, marketingforhippies.com slash authors there's a blog post where i where i dig into this where again people say i like to work with spiritual people it's a very common thing what do you mean by spiritual? Because do you mean, are we talking shamanism spiritual? Are we talking Christian spiritual? Are we talking Buddhist or Islam or Judaism spiritual? Are we talking new age spiritual? Are we talking uh, self-inquiry, Taoism? You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so many ways that could be meant. And when we use these broad terms, assuming that people get it, we'll often attract people who aren't a fit. Um, you know, one of my colleagues in Victoria Carmen Spaniola, she, on one of her sales letters, she said, you know, she does a lot of um, intuitive reading stuff, but if you're into like ascended masters, spiritual hierarchies, uh, theosophy, et cetera, we're not a fit. 
Interesting. Yeah. But that's, so. it, she just realized it wasn't a fit. So she started to name it. When I say spiritual, I'm not saying these things. Mm. So in this case, who want, um, want to change the world, she probably means something particular by that. Because let's face it, I mean, white nationalists want to change the world too. Um, so what, you know, some, one of the ways this would look is like, what are the authors that people, her people would read? What are the documentaries they would resonate with? What are the sources of media that they tend to follow? Who are the people they respect? What TED Talks would they love? Because sometimes you can build a bit of a mosaic and it's more than you can do in 140 characters, but you can have this on the homepage where it's a really compelling idea where you say, if you're into this, 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 and this, if you're drawn to this and this and this, we're probably going to be a fit. You know, and it's not like a pithy, say it in, in one phrase kind of thing, but people will read it and say, oh my God, I'm into all of those things. It's like if you read, let's say the, uh, I had this 20 years ago, there was a book called The Mistfilled Path that was all about Celtic spirituality, written by this um, fellow, uh, Frank McKeown, he's changed his name since, but he, I picked it up, but first of all, I was, I was just trying to look at my own Celtic roots and I, uh, I looked at the cover and I was like, oh my God, this looks really wonderful. And then I turned it over and I read the endorsements in the back and every single endorsement was somebody I respected. And I mm-hmm. said, wow, I really admire all these people who've endorsed the book. So this is probably going to be really good. Um, so there's a similar thing. If, if you share resonance with these pieces, you know, so in terms of the, the, the wanting to change the world, a little more context of what do we mean by this? Because, you know, in some ways facetious, but not really about the white nationalists, but, some people, their idea of changing the world, they would resonate with the, um, okay, what was that documentary film that came out, uh, Zeitgeist, you know? Mm-hmm. This kind of technocracy way of changing the world. Other people, changing the world means deep decolonization and stepping back to a handmade lifestyle, you know, and, and the challenging of empire. For other people, it would mean, it's a, you, you can start to see the different ways people mean better mm-hmm. world. And so if she, let's just imagine, she was... Um, I don't know, really into this ultimately like a primitive reskilling, rewilding, decolonizing lifestyle. And somebody comes in and they're like, yes, I want to see just more technology. That's going to save us. Mm-hmm. As a client, she's going to be like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, something's off there. That is not who I want to work with. Um, yeah, and then, and what was that last phrase? Part of it, the Ethical businesses while staying rooted in their integrity. Yeah, well, staying rooted in their integrity. So, and this is the, again, the type of thing you can start to name in a longer exploration is where did they perceive that their business is asking them to be out of integrity? And you get real specific about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you find you, you're being asked to do this or you, you feel like you need to do this in order to get the results. So that's, that's what I would say for starters with that. I think it's pretty clear overall. Yeah, me too. But like you said, that the more we claim what each of those pieces are going to be, um, and, and say them outright, the more that we're going to call in the right people, our soulmate clients, the people we really want to be connecting with and working with. And if you're not already, if you are in a service-based business and your clients are draining you and not filling you up, you might, it might be time to get a little bit more specific. Cause I found that when I have clients who are so exactly who I'm supposed to be working with, I leave the call high as a kite, like feeling that sense of, fulfilling my purpose in life and and that's possible so if if it means you need to get more specific to be working with the people who really do fill you up by serving them then I say take the time to figure that out um so the next one is 
Sarah Thorpe. She says, I help sensitive women manage their energy so their brilliance is seen and they don't have to hide anymore. Okay, so sensitive women is, so okay, so this is a, a good one to get into the distinction between a, what I would call a big circle and a little circle. So I would say, but this is, this is a really good big circle and it doesn't work so well as a little circle. So when I say big circle, I mean kind of generally who do you want to work with? So for me, big circles would be conscious entrepreneurs, hippie entrepreneurs. That wording is useful for me, but it's not so useful in marketing because nobody wakes up in the morning saying, ah, so good to be a conscious entrepreneur today. Similarly, (laughs) you know, chronic people in chronic pain, that's a, it's a a probably good big circle, but most people don't necessarily talk about chronic pain. They'll talk about the particular type of, you know, I always headaches, my joints ache, or I've got fibromyalgia or whatever. They'll be speaking or thinking about and identifying with this particular thing always. So, um, you know, so for me, the little, when I say little circles, I mean that the specific target markets where we know uh, the sort of in, in order, the, what's the issue they're struggling with, meaning the problem, the result, what are the psychographics, just kind of generally, how do they see the world? And if it's relevant, any demographics, some of the outer things, that's the target market. Um, so little circle equals target market in my lingo. And so the big circle is just, yeah, generally. So, you know, uh, my mom and her husband run a tree farm. Um, big circle, people who want to buy trees, little circles would be acreage owners, uh, reclamation companies. My little circles might be holistic practitioners, life coaches, permaculture people. Mm-hmm. Or another way to say it, little circles could be, um, yeah, service-based businesses, you know, entrepreneurs who are struggling with marketing, feeling really gross, and they just don't know how to actually do their marketing and get clients. And so they feel stuck between, do I do something that feels gross and make money, or do I not do that, but be broken. That, uh, or it might be people who are struggling with their niche. Could be a little circle and <laughs> people who are trying to be discovered. So we're trying to get something very particular that's ideally based around an issue, that's based around a core problem they have. And um, so for a big circle, it, it, it's, yeah, you can put it on your website. It's just, it's more a, a mental container for you um, to contextualize everyone that you work with. So I think this is good. It's certainly, you you know, this could be in her bio, you know, she could get introduced in this way. And it's like, um, okay, so sensitive women uh, help them manage their energy. So I'm, I'm hearing hinted at there's an issue, mm-hmm. but they're not managing their energy. And as a result of not managing their energy, certain things happen that they're not a fan of. Um, so what are those things that are happening? That's an important question. What's, um, what are the symptoms, the result in, because when she says managing their energy, this is point of view, which is an important thing, you know, this whole ebook point of view marketing. So it's, I'm not dismissing point of view, but it doesn't belong here necessarily. Um, when we're talking about target markets or, you know, a little circles, um, what we really want to get to is, is the relevance first. You know, these three things that need to be established in marketing for people to buy relevance. And yeah, this is, makes sense for me. This could help me with a problem or help me get what I want. Credibility, I trust you. And then value, that is good return on investment for what I'm paying. So when we're talking about niche, the very first thing we're just trying to establish is relevance. So uh, helping sensitive women manage their energy. That, this works if you've got a bunch of these sensitive women who are falling asleep at night saying, God, if only I could manage my energy. My guess is they're not saying that but they are aware that there are certain symptoms that come out of this. So if she could name the top three symptoms of this, it'd be better. Um, so their brilliance is seen. Okay, so this is, again, there's a question. Is that what they want? You know, because 
is it what they want or is this what we want for them? Right. Those are very different things. And managing their energy, this is, is that what they're struggling with? Or is this our understanding of why they're struggling? Yeah. That's the diagnosis. And the diagnosis is critically important. It's, it's for the credibility piece, but for the relevance piece, it's, it's, it doesn't belong. So, uh, so the brilliance is seen, is that what they're wanting? So they don't have to hide anymore. Okay. So now we're hearing something about, um, maybe one of the symptoms, uh, also a bit diagnosis that they're hiding. And I, I would be curious about this. This could be the doorway into some of the little circles. What are the three circumstances in which they tend to be hiding that uh, Lucy would love to help them with? So maybe because when I hear this, they're hiding. Well, they're hiding their gifts. I mean, generically, are they hiding their truth in relationships? Are they hiding what is it that's being hidden, and what are the consequences of that? Because then, if you go to the website, you know, on my uh, website, marketingforhippies.com/slash homepage, I think you'll see a bunch of examples of like kind of little circles on a on a homepage. So, you know, if you're in this situation, click here. This situation, click here. You mm-hmm. can have that kind of thing set up. Where it's like if you're hiding yourself in this way, in this way, and then you get three different landing pages that speak very directly to that particular type of hiding. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the manage your energy part is also sort of process. So it's like, are they aware that that process is what's necessary or are they actually sitting around wanting something else? I make the distinction between want and need and we have to tell them in this sort of, I call it niche pitch, but in this niche statement that we use a lot and networking and stuff, we want to keep it um, results oriented or we want to keep it um, more about what they're explicitly wanting, what they know they want, and then we give them what they need later when they come to the session. Yeah, I mean, the, the telling them when we speak to what they want uh, or the the pain that they're in, that's what gets their attention. That's what has them say, "Oh, that's relevant. This is yeah, that's me." Yeah. And now, now what they want to know is why am I in pain, or how do I get this thing I want? Because I haven't been able to figure it out on my own. And that's where the point of view comes in. We so, said, "Well, here's what I think you need." If you want that, you need this. And, you know, and then if it's a compelling enough um, articulation, then, they, you know, they're more likely to want to buy. Awesome. Um, so the next one, we're just going to do a couple more rapid fire. But this is a longer podcast than usual because it's um, juicier than usual. Um, or I think it's really helpful to the people who I know are in my audience. So Lucia Pavone, her niche is successful women who still feel depressed, depleted, and doubtful about their sex life. Okay. Interesting. Um, so successful women, again, so successful women, this is a big circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's cause I don't know what this means. What are the metrics that she's using for successful? Does that mean a certain amount of money? Does this mean a certain kind of, I mean, I, I, on one level, I feel pretty clear. Yeah, I know what that means, you know, but it's, this is, it's, um, we, we don't want to make assumptions about these things uh, that everyone would get it. So successful, that could just be clarified. Um, who feel depressed, depleted, and doubtful about their sex life. So this is an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> depressed, depleted, and doubtful. I, I just feel a little confused about that of, um, First of all, like, are they, is this because they're, they're married and they're with somebody and the sex is no good? Is this because they're not having sex at all? Is this because they're having a lot of random hookups and the sex isn't that good and are fulfilling? 
you know, is, so I'm, I'm the, here's, here's something that's helpful. This is one of my favorite questions around niching is to ask yourself, what's the perfect moment for you to show up in their life? You know, this is from Jeffrey Van Dyke, one of our mutual colleagues, but he just pointed out, you know, there's a moment it's too soon for you to appear in their life. And there's a moment it's too late, problems are too far gone or it's solved. But there's, there's a sweet spot where you show up that it's perfect for you. Like these are my people. If you're in this moment, I can help. And so that's not clear to me. And when I say moment, I mean, it really is like time and place that there's a story to it. You could tell me this and I could picture, oh, I, I know I could see somebody in that moment in their life. And that's not clear to me here. I, I hear they're struggling in some way with their sex life, but I don't know the nature of that struggle. So uh, clarifying both successful women and nature of their sex life would be helpful. Awesome. Great. And then one more before I ask you to tell us about your niching spiral program, which some people might want to know more about. Um, Sirenita Del Mar, also known as Sirena, um, she likes to call herself the midlife midwife. Um, She says, I take a holistic approach to support successful midlife women to recover their juiciness and rebirth into a vibrant and fulfilled second half of their lives. Okay, midlife midwife. I like it. Now, this is, you know, this is an interesting thing in terms of niching. Um, the when people ask me what do, what do you do, I say well, I'm marketing for hippies, you know, and it, people just kind of laugh. So I think it's nice sometimes you have these little pithy statements that make people laugh or get their attention. That's good. So I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, midlife midwife. I take a holistic approach to support successful midlife women. I think that's fairly clear. I mean, I think so too. The successful thing could be more specific, like you said, but yeah, the who is pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and, and this again, in some ways feels like a, a big circle because my guess is there could be within this, like three particular types of issues or three particular moments. Like, um, yeah, there may, may, uh, I just imagine and this is a useful thing to do. You know, you sit down, you look at all your past clients and you think, okay, if I had to put them into three buckets, what would those buckets be? What would the three different types of them generally be the three main issues that they come to me with? And you do start to see patterns like, Oh, so she might say, yeah, a lot of them are coming where they actually just went through a divorce and you know, and they just actually burned the whole thing down. It's divorce. They left their business and they're just like, fuck it all. I'm just, you know, starting totally fresh. Other ones, it might be like empty nesters. Their kids have left. They're happily married, but they just want to like kind of rediscover themselves a bit. You get the sense. So the more particular it can be where, I mean, this is good. This is, I would give this like a seven or eight out of 10, you know, in terms of clarity, which means to me, if it's seven out of 10 or above, it's just go, 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 just start trying things. Yeah. Don't try to wordsmith it into perfection because the way you'll get it into that 10 out of 10 place is by trying things and then noticing the feedback and adjusting the wording and seeing who comes and that refining, you know? So this is great. Um, Yeah. That's what I have to say about that. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I feel like that it's a small part of a big 
like landscape of our businesses, but it's also a part where it can make or break our ability to grow in some ways because we need to be able to talk about what we do. We need to be able to talk to strangers. We need to be able to, you know, put ourselves out there into the world effectively and having a clear understanding of this nitpicky kind of stuff can be really helpful when that, when that comes up. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So tell us about the niching spiral um, program that you've been working on. Well, it's almost done. It's so close. If, if people go to nichingspiral.com, they'll find there are three things, uh, one of which is available. Um, <laughs> the thing that's available is the Niching Nest ebook, which is kind of my general thoughts about niching big picture. So if people have just been struggling with niching for a while and feel really stuck, stymied on it, uh, it's it's a good kind of medicine for that, that stuck place. And it's got... Um, because there's predictable things that I hear people say, and there are just known answers to these uh, stuff places uh, or useful perspectives. The second piece is a, a niche review. Uh, so I'm offering these, the first 10 will be $25, and it's going to go up to $40 uh, US, where you'll email me your niche. And basically what we did in this call, I'll send you an audio recording with my breakdown of it. You know, uh, pretty much like we did in this call uh, as my, my full thoughts as much as I can get it. Awesome. And then the uh, third thing is the Nishing Smart Home Study, which is almost done. Uh, and it's been almost done for, for two years. And but it's <laughs> pretty soon. And that's um, kind of framed as a 90-day thing. But, you know, I suppose one could take as long as one wants on it. But it's, it's a sort of master's level approach to really digging deep in your niche. So this is one of these things, if you... If I would just say, if you're in a place of my business is not going to be a hobby anymore, I really want to take this seriously. And I get that having a clear niche um, is the foundation of pretty much everything else that comes after it. If you're in that point, you just really want to handle it. It's going to ask about 60 minutes a day if you did it 90 days or there's 67 modules to it or so. So if you did five days a week, an hour a day. So it asks a lot. But at the end of it, you will have an extremely uh, clear, workable niche. And then part of that, for people who are in that program, I'll be doing monthly uh, kind of group coaching calls, office hours for like 25 bucks. Uh, I haven't figured out the price on the home study yet, um, but it's going to be in the affordable range, certainly. And um, yeah, so those, those are the three things that are available, particular for niching. But also one of the things that people can do is hire me for a uh, puttering session. Uh, it's just... <laughs> There's not always an instant availability, uh, whereas with the niche review, I'll probably get back to you faster. But the puttering session is, so I charge 300 US an hour uh, for one-on-one work because uh, I just resent sitting at the computer or on Skype or being locked down. But uh, puttering sessions, it's $100 and um, uh, I will be uh, puttering and doing dishes and tidying while we talk. And, uh, so those are all options people can use to work on their niche. And I just want to point out how brilliant it is that if, if you're looking for a way to make your life, you know, stacked and work better, you can invent whatever you want to invent and make, make your job more fun as an entrepreneur. Cause yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you've told me about this before, but you get to clean your house, which you love doing, you get, which you don't love doing necessarily on its own. And then you get to work with your people, but, um, not have to give your full attention, um, like eyes on a screen attention and be locked down to your computer, but you get to help people and get a clean house and get things done. Um, and all of that makes it at a discounted rate for people. So it's a no brainer. It's just brilliant. I love it. 
Um, so build your business the way you want to make it something desirable and fun. And if you need help finding more clarity with your niche, Todd Hargrave is definitely, um, an amazing resource for that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Tad, for showing up and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Tactical Magic. To find out more, please visit our website, wildheartsriseup.com. Be sure to take a second and subscribe to the show and come back next week for another edition of Tactical Magic.